0: Hey there, and welcome back to season one, episode forty-four of the Clarity Podcast. This podcast is all about providing clarity, insight, and encouragement for your life and mission. My name is Aaron Santemeyer, and I'm going to be your host today. We have the uh, phenomenal opportunity to sit down with Liz Corbin, and um, Liz is a psych- trained psychologist, and uh, just a great opportunity to learn from her as we we dive into the growth capacity of personal health, and we discuss emotional health, and um, relational health, and uh, mental health, and uh, and spiritual health, and how those things all tie in together, and uh, just a, a fascinating conversation to learn from Liz. Liz and, I, Liz and Heather and I serve um, together um, on Africa House Care, and so it was just uh, I thought it would be a great opportunity to have her on the podcast to learn from her and um, and to share her wisdom and insight with the with the audience. And so we have a great conversation and uh, value learning from Liz. Um, Liz on this this time with her. Just want to share two things before we jump into the interview. First thing is uh, continue to send your questions in for back channel with both. Um, as Dick and I sit down and listeners sending questions, and uh, Dick shares those his wisdom and insight with us, and uh, his years of experience. And uh, he just has a great way of um, bringing things together in a in a succinct way and uh, applicable way. So it's not just information, but it's things we can put um, in practice and in our lives. So continue to do that. The the Africa growth capacities are listed in the show notes, and um, that can give you some framework on what those questions will be based off of. And so it's not just any question, but um, questions specifically based off of those growth capacities. And just do want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, um, Dr. Sean Ricker, providing advanced care and friendly service at Cumberland Optical. Well, there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. Well, greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to be here today with um, Liz Corbin, um, someone that I work with and respect dearly. And uh, Liz, we're so excited to have you on the podcast. Could you go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience um, and just share a little bit about yourself and your family?
1: Thank you, Aaron. I'm so glad to be here. Um, I'm Liz Corbin. My husband and I have served in Africa since right after we got married in 1988. Uh, We've served in a variety of countries and done a whole bunch of different things, uh, from teaching in Bible colleges to MK schools to ESL for adults, counseling, school counselor, uh, being a counselor to missionaries, church planting. Now I'm working mostly as a member care provider and a psychologist for our people. So pretty much a big hodgepodge, but more than anything else, I am more of a housewife and mom. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well that was a great rundown and um appreciate uh, appreciate you Liz. And so as you've pursued your education further you talked about your desire for member care. Is that something you've done while you were in the field in the process?
1: Yeah, um so early on I became a school counselor, uh, served as an MK uh in MK schools, but later uh I experienced trauma trauma on the on the field. Uh we had a break in and kind of as a result of healing from that, became more and more aware of the needs of my fellow missionaries. God laid on my heart a burden to serve, to serve missionaries, to provide care for missionaries. As I started to do that, I saw that my skills were not enough to serve the needs that, I, that I'm seeing. I saw an area director and husband encourage me to get more education. So while I was providing, I was also studying and um, recently finished, finished my studies.
0: Congratulations. And um, I know it's a challenge to do your studies, let alone doing it from parts of the world where internet is not the best and electricity is uh, you know, not so reliable and all the uh, other fun things that um, we deal with on the continent at times. Liz, today's conversation, we're just going to be talking about um, personal health and kind of mainly focusing on on mental health and relational health. And so I just wanted to start off the, the conversation today, just maybe some lessons that you have learned about caring for people um, and their emotional health or the mental health and the well-being. Um, lessons learned. I think we learn a lot from the lessons when people share on the podcast, from the lessons they've learned in life and the challenges they've overcome. That helps us more maybe than telling us all the things that we, we do great. And so has there been some lessons that you have learned um, in this process?
1: Yeah, I would say that in providing counseling for missionaries, I've come to expect miracles. Um, one of the very early, as we're slugging through the slow-hauled hard work of emotional, relational healing and growth, which takes time, it's slow, it's up and it's backwards and forwards. You make progress, you go back a little bit. In that process, I've seen God show up hmm. and just miraculously boost our efforts. Um, an example from many years ago: I was working with an MK who was. Um, suicidal, she was very distressed, um, was not sure if she wanted to live or die, Uh, hearing voices telling her to kill herself. And um, I just felt impressed that it was not just an emotional or psychological battle, but that she was having a spiritual battle. Hmm. Uh, And I joined with some other missionaries who were aware of her situation and we prayed for her. Within a few days, she came back to me. Um, she, She was, Smiles, she was happy. She said, she told me, she said that during what a night during the night she had, um, she had felt heard the voices to kill herself, seen um, darkness come from her the corners of her room, and she cried out for Jesus's help. Hmm. And she had pretty much given up on Jesus at that point before then. She cried out for Jesus, and when she did, a bright light appeared in the middle of her room, visible the darkness went away and Mm. the voices in her head telling her to hurt herself went away and did not return. Um, she continued in counseling. She became a follower of Christ, uh, until, until the point where she was really thriving. Wow. So I have a lot of stories. I don't have very many I can tell,
0: Yeah, but
1: a lot of them are just such amazing miracles. Uh, it's not that I want to tell them because it's shameful for people. It's when I tell them because God shows up
0: in the process. That's amazing. That's amazing and encouraging. Um, Liz, I think you've, you've hit on something there. This Do you see that as a common challenge for workers um, not to try to separate our life into emotional, spiritual, and relational, but does there seem to be an intertwining part of that? And is that a struggle for workers when they come to the field?
1: Yeah, I think that... Um Pretty much we will be tempted and Satan will tempt us and discourage us any which way he can hmm. um, and that could be with our relationships or our emotions and also oftentimes it's not is this a physical problem is it an emotional problem is it a relational problem is it a spiritual problem it's yes it's okay. all of those things yeah um, so when people come to me and they say I don't know if this is a spiritual problem or an emotional problem, which I, they, I often have people ask me that. And I'll say, okay, let's say it was a spiritual problem. What would yeah. you do? Hmm. And then they'll say, well, I get my friends to pray for me. I'd ask people in America, pray for me. Uh, I would pray. I would listen to worship music. I would go, okay, let's do that. Yeah. Um, and let's keep doing what we're doing.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's so. good. That's good. Are there some, over, you shared your many years of experience um, living on the field, working, caring for people, from caring from MKs to caring for, for families and individuals. Are there some common themes or challenges? As You and I are both scientists and we like to look for trends. I guess that's trends would be what I'm looking at here on this question. Do you see there's some common trend trends you see in, in workers as they bump up against dealing, um, caring for themselves? living on the field and balancing that with work and life and family and all the things that go with it?
1: So some of the common things that I've seen historically is missionaries go through a lot more trauma than most people in America do. Hmm. Um, So especially multiple traumas. So even though they might not be experiencing PTSD when I see them, oftentimes the experience of trauma has impacted the way they're doing now. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so working through trauma uh, is not unusual, not an unusual part of what we're doing. Um, Another theme that I have seen recently is um, in the last few years has been have been missionaries who come to the field and the situation is very ambiguous. Their work situation is ambiguous. And so maybe they've gone from a really hard charging ministry where they've got a thousand things going on at the same time and someone else is directing their work. To needing to be self directing informing forming relationships, studying, they're working in isolation, they don't have an immediate boss, and so just staying motivated um, and working alone has been a real, and oftentimes that leads to feeling like not being a success and sometimes depression. Yeah. Um, so I've seen that more recently uh, as a challenge for workers. Then, missionaries who work in close relationship with others in a team. Relationships are a problem. Getting along with each other. Missionaries who work in isolation, loneliness is a problem.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we could go fifteen ways on that. Um, Liz, you talked about trauma. Is it? Are there some common traumas that m- maybe there's somebody listening in for, that's never served overseas and they listen to this and they say, "Well, what? when she talks about traumas, are there common traumas that maybe that don't occur in America that maybe would." occur more often living on the continent? Uh,
1: I think experiencing war, war terrorist activity, uh, displacement because of war, military coups, um, and car accidents hmm. um, are some of, some of the common ones. And then I think really serious um, health issues perhaps are scarier when they happen on the field in a place where you feel less in control of the kind of care you're going to receive. Yeah. Um, in some places women are more at risk of being um, touched inappropriately in public um, and that over time can can really have a negative impact um, so those are some of the common ones
0: and do you think the, the
1: petty, petty, I would say petty theft break-ins those kinds of things
0: and do you think seeing the I think for me Liz I don't know if this is is true or not but I just think for me the the fragility of life, um, living overseas, those we live with care, with love and are here to serve and seeing that, that life, um, seems more fragile, meaning that someone can go from being in a bike accident to, you know, seeming fine to dying within 24 hours. And that constant, is that something, or is that just maybe my experience?
1: I think we have a greater realization that we don't have a lot of control over many things. The most missionaries come to the realization that they have less control than maybe they thought they did when they were in
0: America. It's that, and that is true. You know, my father came to visit us in Madagascar. I told him, come with no expectations because I can't control anything. <laughs> and so he, uh, often, um, he often repeats that to me. He says, you know, when I whine and complain to him about something, he said, some guy told me I don't have any control over most things. So you're just going to have to come with no expectations. But it is a learning lesson, at least definitely. Has been um, for me. Liz, moving on to another question. Have you seen an uptick or change in the anxiety levels of workers and missionaries during this time of COVID, or has it stayed pretty constant?
1: Um, it's hard for me to measure that I'm only in contact with a certain number of missionaries, and those I'm in contact with are usually because they're going through a hard time. Okay. So my view may be, may be skewed. Yeah. Um, What I have seen in those who are fairly newly arrived, where most of their relational uh, support and cultural ties are in the United States, um, that they can be swept away just like people in the United States by the anxiety that's going on there. So just that Mm. affinity, your closest ties are still with America. Um, However, for those of us who've worked in Africa for a long time, uh, we've already learned to live with changed plans, unknowns, We are a very resilient and hardy lot. In fact, the longer we last on the field, the more resilient we are. And that actually has been studied. (laughs) We tend to grow stronger during hardships with the help of God. Um, I would say maybe even more than anxiety is I've seen a increase in a serious case of the blahs. Life just isn't nearly as fun or motivating when you're in isolation. Um, so just people just kind of feeling blah, nothing's very exciting. I'm not super motivated, so I don't know whenever I'm going to be able to do the things I want to do. Um, yeah.
0: It is true. Confinement does seem to have a, uh, put a damper on your day, is every day seems yeah. to be very... Uh, it seems like Groundhog Day. I've used that a lot recently. It just seems like the days do run together. And um and it is hard. It is hard to cast vision and to look to the future when you you might be in confinement for the future. You just you just really don't know. So um it is it has been a challenge, I would admit, even for me. Um and uh yeah, it's just uh it's an interesting it, time.
1: Yeah. There are some people, some missionaries who are seriously grieving. Uh, for family members and friends who've passed away during this time. Um, there are some who are highly anxious for good reason because of older family members or people at risk who have COVID. Um, and some are grieving just really special events that they look forward to, weddings, graduations, things like that. Um, so I would say there there is some grieving that's going on for things that were lost during this yeah. time, the time that yeah.
0: we've lost. For sure, for sure. So what are some... What would be a few practical things? Um, Somebody listening in, and we've talked. You've talked about grief, and um, we've talked about uh, you know that sense of loss and the the blahs and the unsettledness. Is there there a few practical actions or or suggestions or wisdom that you share with people when they come to you um, on how to grow and um, develop that resiliency when it comes to their emotional, mental, and relational health?
1: Yeah, Um, as specifically as possible with the Holy Spirit's help and sometimes a good friend's help, try to identify the emo- your emotions when you're feeling them. Hmm. So you feel this rising in emotions or you feel a sinking feeling, try to put a name on it to hmm. label it. What is this thing that I'm feeling? Um, be unashamedly honest with yourself. Hmm. Um, okay. Do things like, you know, I really was feeling jealous of that person. They, yep. they got that, I wanted to have that, I didn't get it, and I'm feeling just jealous of them. Yep. But Once you name it and put a name on it, somehow you can deal with it. Whatever the dealing with it means, once you've named it, labeled it, you can say it out loud or not say it out loud, uh, but saying it out loud sometimes helps in the process. Um, the other thing is to daily list the things you're thankful for. Be specific. Post it on Facebook. Tell them to a team member or a family member. What this does for you is, um, especially when we're feeling blah or unmotivated or depressed, we can get a lens that uh, we are, have a hard time seeing anything that is good. Hmm. Um, and we are, are, we've, It's like we've put on a pair of sunglasses and we can't see those good things anymore. And so by being thankful, we are forcing us ourselves to bring into the foreground what's in the background the hmm. good things that maybe were in the background come to the foreground we're saying i see we're saying i see you and i'm thankful for it and that's a good thing um, good. so being thankful like listing 10 things a day that you're thankful for um, it's good practice
0: are those are those you talked about looking through lenses? Is that something that comes? Is that just a drift that we drift towards seeing things with a with through those type lenses and not giving, um, not having a heart of gratitude? Or, or is that something that develops over time? Or how have you seen that, um, maybe in the life of, of whoever may be struggling with that today?
1: Yeah, it's a, it is a definitely something that happens when people are anxious or depressed. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's part of a disorder. But it also can be like who we surround our, ourselves by, what we're reading, and it's like an exercise. Being thankful is a is a mental exercise. You're choosing to see certain things. Hmm. Um, so, yeah. So it takes practice.
0: Yeah. And do, is, does it help to have like an accountability partner in this, Liz, to somebody that say, Hey, you're you're you seem like you're going back to those uh those glasses seeing. <laughs> a certain way or (laughs) does does that work does that not work I I honestly don't know the answer I'm I'm asking yeah I
1: see some people journal so they'll do their lists as part of their journaling or part of their devotions some people will say them out loud to God Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people, this is part of their family practice. When they get mm-hmm. together as a family, everybody says the things, you know, come up with five things you're thankful for. Okay. Um, so I've, think, I've seen people practice it in different ways, just depending on what works for them.
0: Good deal. And then when it comes to relational health, um, Liz, is there, as we've went through, you talk about those lenses. We talked, you said, shared about lenses. Is there things that we can do in our relational help, our team health to make sure that we're developing a resiliency um, and not drifting um, towards a, maybe an area of unhealth or not disorder, but an area where we're not as strong or not as resilient um, in these times.
1: Yeah. I would say that generally as Americans, we have a tendency to emphasize accomplishment. Hmm. And a massive emphasis on time and efficiency of time. Um, Those two things work havoc on our relationships. (laughs) So, so would we, and I am very guilty of this. So, things like pushing ourselves to achieve means that we're in a hurry, which means pretty soon we're starting telling ourselves, I can't, uh, I can't because I have to. And I can't because I have to is a good measure of what's really a priority for us. Um, I can't talk to the person because I have to do whatever the work is. Um, And so slowing down, paying attention to people, listening, um, giving up comfort and convenience to work, build those close relationships um, is really hard to do as Americans.
0: The only person that can see me smiling is Liz, because um, we're on Zoom. But um, she kind of read my uh, notebook, and uh, that that highlights me and um, and the lessons I've had to learn in relationship development. Because I I do like to accomplish and, and check the things off, and uh, the driven part of it. But living and working in Africa. You know, it's, uh, the relationships are key and, um, I've learned that lesson the hard way and, uh, and still learning that lesson the hard way. Um, you think I would learn by now, but haven't, uh, got there. So Liz, you're currently leading, um, the emotional health and the relational health areas of care for the Africa house, um, Africa house. Africa house care initiative. Um, can you share um, what your collectives are working on and uh, maybe share a little bit about your heart for those two specific areas of care and what you see, how this will impact and how we can care for um, workers in the future.
1: Sure. Um, so I'm really excited about the group of AGWM mental health professionals who are gathered together as part of the emotional health, um, Collective. So we've got counselors, social workers, uh, peer support people, life coaches, and God's given this group of people a real passion about helping our missionaries heal and grow strong. Um, together, we've created a, a pathway, so every, missionary, every African missionary in MK has access to counseling uh, by a mental health professional and coaching by a trained coach. And these counselors are, and coaches are themselves Africa missionaries um we've created a pathway of of how to care for an m for uh, a missionary or an mk if they become suicidal Um, we're working on a pathway for missionary care uh, following exposure we talked about trauma uh, exposure to trauma um to so that people are receive the help they need to recover from stressful events and grow stronger through them We're working on a pathway for caring caring for an MK and their family if child abuse happens. So these are things that we hope do not happen, but if they do, we wanna make sure that people are provided with the care that they they need. Um, We're also putting putting together some surveys, some interview questions. We really wanna find out what the needs are in our Africa house and what our strengths are. Um, so that we're providing really the care that is needed, uh, and the best way to serve our people and help them become strong. So that's the emotional health collective. Um, the relational, the relational and team health collective is still in the um, ideas sca- stage, so it has not quite formed yet. Uh, I'm, learning, I'm gathering people's names who have skills and passion in this area, who are burdened to promote strong teams to bring reconciliation. Um, We are hoping to put into place practices and training that increase our love for each other and for unity. One of the huge reasons that I'm passionate about strong teams and relational health is because emotional health is hard to uh, access directly, especially the proactive Mm -hmm. sides. But if we have really strong relationships, our emotional health normally follows. Hmm. Um, so care sure. for each other is probably the most important kind of care. Um, yeah, that's great. And so, seeing what can we do to build strong teams, um, we're looking for tools, trainings, practices, resources that help stre- strengthen us and help us strengthen each other, and help our lead- leaders build up those who they're responsible for.
0: That's good. That's good. Liz, you your doctoral work what did you What was your title or thesis of your doctoral studies, because I know that somebody who's completed that process, you spend hours and hours and hours in that. What was your your studies focused on, and how is that impacting um the emotional health areas and um, relational health um, as we lead in after healthcare care?
1: Yeah. I was aware that missionaries pre- prior research has seen that missionaries are exposed more often to multiple traumatic events than most americans are hmm. um, and so and that i also knew that um, social support um, what usually served as a buffer between the exposure to trauma and the developing of depression and post-traumatic stress disorder hmm. so i wanted to see if if social support from a team would buffer the impact of multiple trauma events in developing um, um, ptsd and depression yeah and what i found is that just being on a team was not enough hmm. but high levels of social support um, especially for those those who had experienced three or more traumatic events greatly decreased the likelihood that, the, that those missionaries would develop um, scores in the range that would be indicative of PTSD or depression. Um, so, and, and I found in our Africa teams that about um, 60% of our, of our teams provide that, that high level of support, which also means that about 40% of our teams don't. And then we have a lot of some people who and T was very, very specifically defined. It was like people you see face to face at least once a week, and you're working towards common goals, you know. So they had yeah. a real careful definition. No.
0: Yeah. That's good. Yeah. And so you talked about social buffers. What does that look like? Obviously, you spent a ton of times um, studying that, but what does that look like coming from America? when you say social buffers, do you mean family? Do you mean friends? Do you mean church? What does that look like? And then how would that translate into being on a team and what would that, maybe somebody's listening to this and maybe they're not a missionary and they're wondering, you know, what that would look like to be in that position. Or maybe there's somebody preparing to come to the field and they're think that's sparked an interest in their mind, or maybe there's somebody that's on the, on the field now. And when you mentioned that a light just clicked in their, their head, that that's what I'm missing. Um, could you just go a little deeper on social buffers?
1: Mm -hmm. So social support can be a buffer. Um, any kind of social support, uh, is likely to be to buffer the development of symptoms. Um, and this is in a huge. I mean, this is not just not my own research, but other people's research. It impacts a wide variety of of, of various things, including physical health. Um, so, and social support usually means having a relationship with someone um, where you are free to to talk and share what you're doing, but also it carries the idea that you can depend on them. So it's like, if, you have an, if your kids are sick and you need someone to come and watch them for a little while, you can call on them and they'll come and help you. So it can be just this really hands-on kind of help. And it also can be like a, an emotional sort of help. We're not talking about a counselor or a psychologist or someone with any kind of special, for, um, uh, special training. This is just a friend. I don't think that we really um, pay it pay enough attention to the power of friendship. Friendship is in many ways the best kind of care. Um, So so just that social support, having a friend, a family member, someone you can rely on, someone you trust um, is a buffer for developing all kinds of symptoms.
0: Wow. That's a uh, gold right there. And, um, and <laughs> the, in the reality of it is at least for me or uh, my experience is, but we be, seem to become more isolated in those friendships that, um, don't seem to be as common as they were in the past. And I don't know, I don't want to make uh, correlations, but it just, it seems to be that that is, it is a struggle. Um, as we think we're more connected and we have more means to be connected. Um, it just seems like, um, me, and, and and I just speak for myself, you become more isolated because uh, the real friendships and those buffers you share, I think, um, in my experience, is hard to have with technology. Technology helps, but the face-to-face, mm-hmm. one-on-one, as you said, somebody you see face-to-face often, um, those are the relationships that at least I know um, I value. And so if somebody's coming to the, the field, Liz, or... How do they go about, you know, friends and, and defining friends? You can't just go up and say, hey, I'm looking for, a," fr-. I guess maybe you could. Um, hey, I'm looking for a friend. I want you to be my friend. Um, how do they work? in that process, in a new country, in a new place. And as you shared, just some practical things of, I need some help. Um, I have an appointment and I need somebody to help me with my kids at home. That might be grandparents or neighbor or, or brothers and sisters. You don't have, how do you, how does someone go about that um, and to begin to develop trust in those bonds and those relationships that you've just delineated are super important um, in our, in our life and our heart our mind, and mind and our spirit.
1: I think for me, one of the keys is for people, especially going into an area where they're likely to experience a lot of hardship. And as we go more and more into where unreached people groups are at this, they, they are unreached for a reason. There are places where there's political turmoil. There are places where, where there's no electricity. There's places where the water doesn't work. There are places that are extremely hot. Um, so these are these are not easy places. Uh, and as we're sending people to those kinds of places more and more, I think it's important that we don't send them alone, that we send them in teams. And that's why I wanted to study social support specifically from a team, um, because those are in, an instant potential for friends and social support is your, is your team. Also, when you're transitioning from one place to another, um, this has more to do with like culture adjustment and culture shock, but it's important also to keep your lifelong friends from a distance and to maintain those. New hmm. friends don't replace old friends. You need those friends where you're at, but you also need those lifelong relationships. They don't fill the same holes.
0: Wow. That's good. That's good. And I think a lesson I learned, Liz, I think when Heather and I first got into, when we went to Burkina, I, I consider myself like a potted plant and I never wanted to put down roots and never wanted to get connected with people. Um, and, um, you know, I'm hard headed. So it, it took a turn for me to realize I didn't want to live my life that way. You know, I wanted to be planted and put my roots down and have friends there. But, and when I needed to go back to the U.S., I'd dig myself up and, and it was a mental picture that just really helped me because I think that whole first term I was like a guy in a potted plant and I didn't want to really connect or you could just put me on the shelf, but I really didn't want relationships because I didn't think I needed them. And then um, obviously going through difficult times and struggles, you realize you need those friendships, you need those relationships and then taking the, the idea of just, you know, and I, Heather will tell you, I just, I, I had to mentally go through the process. I'm planning myself here. I'm taking myself out of the pot and it really helped me develop real relationships and not just, you know, like an ornamental plant on a shelf or something. So anyway, that's probably more yeah. than people want to know, but that's just helped me process it. So process absolutely. it. In
1: the process. absolutely Liz, I've had to do the same thing, the opposite when I go back to the States for a year is Hmm. purposely decide i'm going to have friends it's just Hmm. one year but i'm going to have friends Yeah. yeah
0: It's true. It's, you don't feel, it's easier to be a potted plant because it's not, it doesn't hurt as much. You can just kind of move yourself wherever you're at, but the relationships, it's hard to have relationships as a potted plant versus a planting yourself. So Liz, as we look to, one last question, we, we, you look to the future, you look forward, are there some things that you're really excited about? Um, we live in a day and age where the news is full of negativity. Um, so I try to end the podcast on a pot, Positive note and then prayer. Um, and so, are there, as you look to the future, whether that's in life, whether that's in mission, whether that's in care for, for missionaries, is there something that you're really excited about as you look to the future?
1: Yeah, there's two things that I'm really excited about. One of them is I'm seeing right now in Africa House a real awakening to the potential of our female workers. Um, I can't wait to see the results of the training of our women, the putting the full force of our education, our skills, our hard work, our expertise, uh, putting those things to work to build each other up and to grow the, co- the churches in our continent. Uh, I think it's an exciting day. Uh, it's like we've just woken up half of half of our population. Um, <laughs> The other thing I'm very excited about is I talked a little bit about the research. And so we know that high levels of social support um, can help us decrease the likelihood that we develop symptoms hmm. um, symptoms of mental illness. So now at this point, I'd really like to discover and do research in the area of which trainings and practices really do increase our team's mutual care of each other. Um, What practices, what trainings uh, promote unity and loving behavior. So that's sort of the next area that I would like to learn more about.
0: Lifelong learning. For sure. And I resonate, I resonate with, with that. Liz, will you pray for the audience? Um, pray that God will use this conversation that we've had today um, to encourage, um, to challenge, and um, that, we, that we can put into action the wisdom and insight and experience that you've shared um, in our hearts and lives that we can develop that resilience um, Yeah, as we, we desire to share the message of Jesus Christ.
1: Father God, I thank you for this incredible family that I'm a part of. I ask, Lord, that you will spread your tent over us, that your Holy Spirit will be tangible, feelable, seeable, um, that we will know you are with you without a doubt. I ask, Lord, that we will be in you as well as you being in us and that you will give peace, peace that makes no sense, that is powerful. And Lord, I pray that you will give us the gifts of loving each other, of gentleness, of kindness. Um, Take away our fears that keep us from connecting with others. I ask these things in your name. Amen.